In today's second reading, St. Paul's writing to the Roman people, and he's speaking about this dynamic of life that... uh, of offering your body and living sacrifice. We can imagine now this reading comes after the gospel, so we can see this in a fuller light, understanding that the Romans, that St. Paul would have very much understood that Christ offered his life, right, and sacrifice, offered a sacrifice, offered his body, offered the Lamb of God, the fullest Uh, atonement that could be made and to realize that a part of human nature is uh, to make atonement for God. It's not a Christian idea that we suddenly decided, oh, we should offer sacrifices or we should worship God. No, you can go to any religion of any kind in all of human history and you will see there's something inside the human person that knows that something is wrong between us and whoever the other is. Right? And sacrifice is to offer oneself or offer something to make that right. Right? And so all uh, pagan cultures sacrifice a bull or a pigeon or all these things, and the Israelite people were offering sacrifices at the temple. Uh, This is not a Christian concept, this is a human concept. There's something wrong, and the only thing we can do to make it right is to offer something back to God. And in this dynamic, we see then that the Israelite people hadn't yet become aware that God was actually going to offer himself. And the fullness of all of that is the cross. And in the cross, he made what no human being could do, which is atonement, both for humanity because he was fully human and to God because he was fully divine. And in this act, then, Paul is speaking in and saying, okay, now you, brothers and sisters, (laughs) fully aware, now you offer yourself holy and pleasing as a living sacrifice to God. He's calling the Christian people to continue the work of what Jesus Christ did, to imitate him. And to do so, to be transformed in the renewal of our mind in order to discern what is the will of God. Right? It doesn't often seem like the will of God would be for me to suffer. It doesn't seem like the will of God would be for God to suffer. And yet, and yet, so what does it look like for us to offer a spiritual sacrifice? What does it look like for us? Uh, it's really easy to sort of have an idea in my head like, oh, I got to do a great gargantuan holy thing and then I offer a sacrifice. Or uh, if I give my life to the church and the priesthood, then I offer the ultimate sacrifice. Like we're going to have the, the big ideas in our head. But it begins in a little way. Right? And in the Gospels, Jesus doesn't tell him he's going to Jerusalem to do this right away, right? He took them on a journey. He built a relationship with them. He helped them discover more deeply who they were and who he was, and then began to present this ultimate act that was so hard for Peter to understand. And so, too, for us, in little ways, we can offer ourselves. Being here. How many times do we live in a way in which I go to Mass because it's, I want to? How about we go to Mass because God wants us to? 
Have we ever thought of that, right? I mean, I can tell that to people that aren't at Mass, and they don't care. I mean, and it's not, there's, it's a different thing. I'm talking to you as ones who are here. But for you to understand, for us to understand who are here, do we realize that I am offering a sacrifice right now, a living body, myself. I am here to worship God. This is what he means. We can do that. And you had to say no to something to do it. And what does he say? Right? Uh, where does he say that uh, in the first... Now I lost it, prepared in a different set of readings, right? We have to let go of worldly things. We have to change our thinking. What is it that makes me happy? Am I made happy because I get to do what I want every day, all the time? Or am I made happy because I do what God wants? And you're already here, so you don't have to worry. But we do have to recognize it because in the time we're here, we can form ourselves and train ourselves because I can promise you that when you get out of here, it's going to be harder to make that same decision. But you are fulfilling the gospel promise by simply being here. You're offering your body as a living sacrifice. And if your body isn't in this building, then you're not offering it as a living sacrifice. Have a check mark. You all get three gold stars today. Okay, so that's one way. To just do it. To just be present. I was even thinking of all of you who sit in the front row. Right? I mean, in some way, that's a living sacrifice, right? <laughs> Be like, I'm just going to go right for the front. <laughs> well, do you know, you may not pay attention, that if you sit in the front row, those other back rows fill up right behind you. If you don't sit in the front row, everybody fills up from the back forward. If you sat three rows back, everybody would sit in the row behind you and fill up the back. Whoever sits in the front offers them body, themselves, in a way that may be what is a sacrifice. I offer something. It's like tents. It's like, uh, I don't know. I don't know. And then if I can see, though, ah, died itself. It's not a big deal. And then we see there's fruit from dying to self. Right? How often are we called to do or be a part of something that's like, oh, I don't know if I want that, do that time, or oh, I'm up front, or right? Just if we do it, we see it brings fruit. I was thinking about your studies. Right? That's a spiritual sacrifice. That's offering your body to go to class. Now, I didn't I don't know what all of this online study is stuff, so maybe that's just as fine as going to class. But Do you give yourself? Do you give yourself to your studies? Do you take seriously the work? Do you respect who your professor is? Do you do the homework for the sake of doing it? Right? That's a way to give your body. And it takes time and enter. And you might have to train your mind. Yesterday I was doing some uh, work and I did not want to do it at all. I was like, this is not worth doing But just there was a little bit in me that was like, you're putting this off. You have to do this. And I thought, just start, right? Change my thinking, my mind. Just start. And I started. And literally five minutes into it, I was like, this is amazing. And then an hour goes by and I have it all done. And I'm like, this was worth it. Imagine had I listened to that first voice. Right? That's offering my body to do something for the good of others, to order something. 
Right? How about friendships? To invite someone else in sometimes requires a space. You're like, well, I don't know if I, uh, you know, have the time to wait or I don't know, whatever the case might be. Right? But to have a space that someone else can be invited in is a way to offer your bodies. And it sometimes causes us to have to change our thinking. Or maybe you've had one of those moments where I remember in seminary, everybody was going to get coffee at Starbucks and they didn't stop at my door and ask me to go. Oh, you don't like me. Right? There's a moment to offer myself, to say, it's not about me. Lord, if this is the, the thing you want me to offer to you, I offer it to you, that loneliness I feel or that desire I want to belong to something, I give it back to you. Right? And then what happens? I had an option. I could have either held resentments against those people and then like totally screwed up friendships. Or the next time they're, they're, you know, they come back and I'm like, hey, you forgot me. They're like, oh, man, sorry about that. Right? In friendships, we can off our bodies are a part of how we can bring about something good. Uh, last example, I was, I've been reading all of these statistics about population and uh, you know, the Western and Italy, if you ever go to Rome, you'll see bus advertisements for having children. And, uh, you'll, you know, they're always, there's always incentives. And now in Japan, they're trying to get everybody to have children. And they have dating services now. And the parents are going to these dating services to get their kids to get married. And the only reason they're doing that is because the grandparents want grandchildren. Their kid's already 40 years old. I mean, Crazy. Right? And this is serious stuff like governments are being implicated. They don't know what to do because they can't get people to have people. It's super serious. So I read all these statistics. I read all of these thoughts. They're like doing all kinds of programs. Do you know, not once have I ever read anything in any of these talk about marriage. None of them talk about the family unit. They all talk about the economics. It's expensive to have children. The cost of living is going up. All these things. And all those things can be true. But a child is a sacrifice. A child takes of me. A child requires decenteredness. A child maybe means I don't get a vacation the way I want a vacation. A child maybe means I live in a, a different environment than what I want to live in. A child maybe means that the future of my life is different than I want it to be. That's why it's hard to get people to have children. Is because we haven't had the renewal of our mind. We haven't had the ability to say, ah, to die to self for someone else is a good that God wants of me. Do you know the Ruttons had six children and they were absolutely confident they were done? I mean, Ed Rutten was absolutely confident. But not Monica. I want another baby. Don't do this to me, Monica. What was my mom saying? My heart is full and I want more. And what was my dad saying? I don't know how we're going to pay for this. 
What's the response? How do we how do we find our way out of this? What's the response to all of this? It's not to just change our mental things of our own accord. It's not just to change our behavior. The way out of all of this is to meet Jesus, is to go into a life with God. I was reading this this text. It says, to live a Christian life means to live in a world without being of it. It is in solitude that this interior freedom grows. Jesus went to a lonely place to pray. That is to grow in the awareness that all the power he had was given to him. Right? Do we have lives of prayer? Do we take the challenges of our life in solitude to God? Do we take a moment in our day, 15 minutes, to be quiet and to let him speak? If we would, our minds would begin to change. We would find ourselves filled with an awareness of how good this world is. A desire to say, this is amazing and beautiful and wanting to share it with others. And this is what the first reading talks about. He says, I I say to myself, and I will not mention... uh, Uh, But then it becomes like fire burning in my heart. Like fire burning in my heart. And I just want to say, do you know you're loved? Do you know the goodness of this world? And they're like, haven't you looked at the news lately? Oh, I know. But isn't it amazing? Did you see the sunset yesterday? By the way, did you guys see the moon the other night? Who wouldn't want to be a part of witnessing that? What if having a child was about bringing another person into the world who could live in wonder and awe of beautiful things? And yes, it's a sacrifice in between. But there's always those moments where God shows up and something rises up from the horizon we never planned or expected, and it changes us. And it makes the sacrifice meaningful Because we discover that we are instruments of God. You are an instrument of God. He's asking you to bring something good into this world. But to do so means we first must die to the world and to our ways of thinking and what it is that we often want right away. And to learn to receive what he wants for us. And then we watch as things grow. And we see something happen that we didn't do on our own. My dad had that interior place of prayer. He had met Jesus. He had had an encounter with the Lord a few years before. And his life changed. And so when my mom told him this, he said, well, I'll pray about it. And one day, he was praying with the Song of Songs. And he read a passage that talked about two fawns. And something changed in him. I thought, we should have another baby. And do you know what God had planned? Two. And one of those little guys is standing before you. 
It was no easier for my parents to raise nine children in the 80s and 90s than it was for someone to raise children today. Because ultimately, the economics aren't the problem. It's a world in which our heart is divided by so many things. But when we allow the Lord in and he unifies us and heals us and calls us into union with others in prayer, things change. And we're able to give our lives in ways that maybe we're the ones that can't have any children, but we learn how to help those that are most in need. Or maybe the ones that do have a bigger family or we have ways in which we can serve the community. But all of it is done because he first did the most important thing. And now he calls us, like St. Paul did then, to offer our bodies as living sacrifices for the salvation of the world.